Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light. And when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with Him, and by His blood, we are cleansed from all sin, not some, but all sin. The light shines on us today from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul reveals a mystery. A mystery we know now in our current context, but the Ephesians needed a reminder. The Gentiles, our fellow heir, and tells of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul breaks out into prayer, giving thanks for all that Christ has done and asks for strength. And Lord, help us to do the same today. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom. Pastor Parviz, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. How are you? I, I am well. I am well. It's good to hear your voice, and it's good to finally have you on. I know you're a, quote, regular, but it's been almost two months since you've been on with me. Yeah, I go away, and the house changes, my day changes, everything changes, but that's the nature <laughs> of life, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Now, Pastor Parviz, you've been on, you've been a regular on Thy Strong Word, and I believe you're a regular on what used to be called the Bible study, and how long have you been on these on this program or studying God's Word with us? Well, probably 20, 20 or so years. Okay, okay. Um, and, and this is... To, uh, Chuck Rather's days, so he was there quite a while ago. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. And this is a real special thing for me because when I was at seminary, I went to seminary from 2002 to 2006. I would make, um, I would, I would try to find different ways to go to get there quicker. And I lived in South St. Louis by the brewery and coming into seminary, there's two things that happened is, first of all, I would listen to KFUO, the Bible study, because I had class at 1030 and the Bible study started at 10. So I remember hearing yeah, you and, and studying with you on the road. But secondly, oh, wow. I, as I would do I it. surprised we hadn't. Go ahead. So, say, no, no, you go ahead. Surprise what? I was just surprised that when I, because I, of course, when I found out we had a new host, I kind of looked you up and I saw that you were at the SEM, graduated in 2006. I thought, yeah. do I know this guy? Because I've been teaching at the SEM for so long. And I thought, but I don't think we had a chance to meet, did we? No, we did not. No, we did not. No. Um, but I did. Here's the deal is I know Dogtown because I would go up Hampton. I'll go 44, go up Hampton, take a left on Clayton Avenue yep. just to try to you know, get away from everything. I remember driving by it all the time and I would drive by there, Dogtown. And there you were, Kai, Kai V. Shalom. Always passed by, always wanted to stop. But of course, I probably stopped at Steak and Shake more than you. So anyways, yeah, sure. that's the I background. Guess, yeah, they have good, good shakes. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this you is a... probably wondered for, at first what the heck this weird little place in Dogtown was, I imagine. Right. At first, when I first was driving through, absolutely. But then I learned more. And that's a good segue, uh, Pastor Parviz, is, you know, this is our first time together. We have new listeners all the time. I even got an email this week um, from someone who's listening in Hong Kong. And so a lot of new people who are listening. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work of the saints at Kai Vishalom? 
Well, sure. Um, I grew up in an observant Jewish home and uh, came to faith uh, sometime in my early 30s uh, through the loving ministration of a Lutheran church in Denver through my wife and my children who were going to that day school. I was uh, grudgingly allowing that in my life at that time. I, um, my wife had apparently bad pastoral counsel, but she married me anyway. Um, and uh, <laughs> through through her prayers and the witnessing of my children and all those wonderful people at St. John's in Denver, uh, um, God brought me to faith. And um, ultimately, I came to the seminary, and I was the first uh, student in the in the cross cultural track. Uh, mm. which was three years up front and then go into a cultural ministry. For me, it wasn't really cross-cultural, but for Lutherans it is. And that's why I think this is interesting that we're doing Ephesians 3, because in Paul's day, everyone knew that Jews were the, were the ones who Jesus came for. Mm. Um, and, and so he has to reiterate that he also came for the Gentiles. And today the irony, of course, is we accept that, we've done— so much ministry to, to so many nations throughout the world, and yet the church at large, praise God, not ours specifically, um, has largely lost the ministry to the Jewish people. And so we are, as I came to faith and came to the seminary, I was called into a ministry here to begin in St. Louis, um, uh, a tech, a, an intentional outreach to the Jewish community of St. Louis, which is about 80,000 people. And uh, we are partnered with uh, our larger mission society, of which I'm also now the executive director, which is Burning Bush Ministries. And so uh, all of those offices have been moved here to St. Louis, and we have uh, not only the St. Louis area, but we have ministry in Detroit and Atlanta and Orlando and South Florida, uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, and our newest branch in Los Angeles. So we are... uh, Small but growing, and uh, we're we're celebrating our 40th anniversary uh, as a ministry. Uh, my 25th here at Chavis Shalom, and um, that's who we are. Wonderful, wonderful, and that is that is so. It, it is really interesting because here we hear about the mystery of the gospel, and in some in a weird way. You know, for them, it was to the Gentiles. And for, for us, it's almost like, oh, so the Jews need the gospel, too? I, I feel like that sometimes. Would you would you kind of, <laughs> it almost feels like the opposite in our culture today? Or how would you describe that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a sad irony. Um, of course, since World War II and the Holocaust, which is the defining event in the life of Jewish people in modern days, right. um, We've kind of, the church, and I'm not talking about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm very blessed to be a part of this ministry. I'm the second generation found, uh, of executive director. Our founder, in fact, just passed away in January, and his mm. memorial is tomorrow morning. But uh, in 1973, he began this ministry in the LCMS, and it was the first outreach to the Jewish people since World War II, because World War II and the Holocaust really silenced the church's ministry to the Jewish people. There were two, it was twofold. Uh, some said, as, as is espoused by people like John Hagee, uh, this kind of two-covenant theory that mm. says the Jews are saved by faith through their relationship with God through Abraham, 
and the Gentiles are saved through Jesus, which of course is anti-scriptural and not not at all what God intends. Um, and you know, you can be a friend of Israel, and you can do all the things that that some some church bodies do with Israel. But if you're not witnessing the gospel, it is bringing no value. Uh, to uh, to the work of, of the church among the Jewish people. Uh, the, the opposite effect, unfortunately, is uh, that we feel a little bit guilty about how the world treated the Jews during the Holocaust, and the Jews themselves have, have become very, I mean, they have, uh, you know, a strong, uh, and I, I was involved in this, uh, a strong reaction to Christian missionary activity, and we they have a an anti-missionary organization that is intended and very well funded to inc- to to counter missionary activity, and they've basically wow. said we suffered enough, leave us alone, and the church has responded in sort of false guilt that says, okay, we'll leave you alone, and that's uh, uh, that's the other side of this of this pendulum that is also not helping. Uh, with this gospel of Jewish Jewish people, last night on our midweek Lenten service, uh, I looked at at Christ's lamentation over Jerusalem. And if we don't have a heart for the restoration of Israel, if we don't have a heart, uh, if we seek to imitate Christ, um, we should have a heart for the Jewish people. Um, and you know, I'm pray- I think our church body has done a wonderful job reaching out to the Gentiles in its history. Uh, but, you know, a little piece of it should also be for those first children who have rejected him and yet whom God still loves and reaches out to um, with the Holy Spirit through, through the work of the church. So that's what we're, we're in that little, little corner of the church. We're kind of, I, I wrote a blog once and said I was uh, sort of not in the fire and not in the frying pan, but walking that narrow, hot edge of the frying pan, trying not to fall <laughs> into either side. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where we are. That's great. That is such a great overview and very important for um, our, 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 our members, um, for us as pastors, is to realize that the, na- that the gospel is for all nations, and that includes the chosen ones, as some people would say. Um, and, and at the same time, a uh, reminder that when we do preach the gospel, it is for all, which is really what our text is about today. So today, yeah. let's, move, let's move on to uh, looking into this text. And Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? Well, I certainly will. Abba Father, we thank and praise you for this day, and thank you for technology that causes us to be heard, even in Hong Kong and all over the world, Father. And we pray, Father, that as uh, certainly as this pandemic comes to uh, an inevitable conclusion, that we as the Church will continue to take advantage of these technologies to stay connected throughout your world. We pray your blessing upon our, our study today. We pray by your Holy Spirit that you would anoint us anew for understanding. We pray for our listeners and all those who, uh, Father, are seeking your will, uh, that your will would be poured out upon them through this through the proclamation of your word. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, amen. Amen. 
All right. So here we are in chapter 3. Ephesians 2 is a huge part of who we are as Christians. We are saved by grace alone, faith alone. I mean, this is where it all is founded. And now there's a transition, really, as there is in almost all chapters of Paul's epistles. And here he speaks about um, mysteries. He speaks about different things. And so... uh, Pastor, do you have any uh, background or contextual information to help us out as we transition into chapter three? Well, and I'm sure that we've already talked about this throughout uh, um, the first two chapters, but of course, Paul is writing this probably from prison. And so in chapter three, he's going to talk a little bit about being a prisoner, uh, being uh, suffering for the, for the cause of Christ, and, uh, and giving us who, you know, I, I always... You know, people, it's really strange. People always equate me with Paul. Um, and whenever I preach, you know, they say, oh, you remind me so much of Paul. I'm really not Paul. I, I don't <laughs> suffer that much. I'm more Peter. I'm much more stick my foot in my mouth and uh, try to bull, bull on. But um, but Paul is, is just an amazing man, and he's, you know, he has such a strong faith, and he's gonna, and he's and he's encouraging this little body of people that he began as a church um, from prison and, uh, and and encouraging them that they too are part of this 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 imagio dei, this image of God that goes back to the calling of Abram, this church that God has built in the calling of Abram. Uh, and they are part and parcel of it. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I love our church body so much is it has such a respect and history um, uh, for for the ancientness of the church. I love the liturgies. I, you know, I, I'm all for, uh, you know, being relevant, but, you know, the, the liturgy is never not relevant. It goes back to the underpinnings of the temple sacrificial system, and, uh, uh, and, and we, we are connected to those things, and that's what Paul is kind of helping us uh, as Gentiles, uh, I suppose, as Ephesians, uh, to connect to that ancient church. That is that is a is very profound. Paul, right, ancient in the time of Paul. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this was. Uh... Um, he's trying to pull them back and say, "Let's look. Let's look in the past here. Let's look at the the, yeah. the mystery. You know, and that's something that is uh, very profound for all of us. That we everything didn't start like the year before we were born. That this goes right. way beyond us, and even beyond. Like if you have a for our family, we have a German history of of northern Germany, and we have a history going all the way back to 1810." And you think about that, and you're like, okay, that's, you know, 200 years. Well, my goodness, you talk about Scripture, and we're talking thousands, you know, and yeah. and what yeah. they did and what their focus was, and they knew of the promise that was yet to come. So you're right, there's a lot more to it than we ever understand. Any last thoughts before yeah. we dig in? Well, I, and I think that the challenge for the churches, and, and for a lot of, I, I suppose, I hate to use labels like Gentiles and Jews, but they have their use. And, and certainly in Christ, there is no more Gentile, no more Jew. We're all brothers and sisters. But um, we tend to think that the church began with the ministry of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that the church, which is which is synonymous with the word Israel, goes back to the calling of Abram all the way to the very beginning. And so our, our roots as a church are, are grounded in 
I wouldn't call it Judaism because that really didn't begin until after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But mm. certainly the Jewish cradle, and Luther made made it very clear in 1523, he wrote uh, that Jesus Christ was born a Jew. He talked about this cradle of the the Jewish people that our church has come from. And that, that, you know, that is very helpful for you to be the person to tell us this, because we can have so many misperceptions of it in, in the history you have and and the, the power of the gospel that's changed you, I mean, not changed, brought you to Christ, um, is very helpful to have power behind those words. So I really do appreciate that. Reminder to our guests today that if you have any questions, obviously there's going to be a lot of profound insights today from Pastor Parviz. Any questions that you have concerning our text or anything else, uh, email us, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. But Pastor, let's get into this. Let's open up our Bibles, our iPads, or whatever you are looking on today, for the gifts are ready. We'll begin in verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Now, we could keep going for a long time in this. Paul kind of does a lot of run-on sentences, but I wanted to stop there just to make sure that we're on the same page. You said before he's in prison. And as he writes this, he's in prison. He obviously loves the Ephesian church. He loved these, loved these people. And he, in many ways, he's proving, hey, if I'm in prison, this is not going to be based on my abilities, but by, but by on the effectiveness of God's word and Christ alone. Any thoughts you have on these first three verses, Pastor? Well, and I, I love, you know, Paul, my, my uh, congregation marvels at Paul's run-on sentences. And we always have to tear them down. <laughs> sentence fragments to figure out what he's saying. Uh, I, I, I wonder if part of that is, is, is the Greek that he wrote in, but who knows? Um, yeah. But he, he he's trying to assure the Ephesians, because, you know, they're, they're in a land in which they're still strangers in a strange land, right, as Christians, mm-hmm. just like we are today in the United States. Uh, we are, you know, one of the worst things I always talk about, we pray every every week for the persecuted church. Uh, and we think of the persecuted church as the church that is physically persecuted for their faith, such as in Iran or China. But, you know, here in the United States, we're persecuted intellectually for our faith, and that can sometimes even be worse. Uh, mm-hmm. And in, in Ephesus, they're in a culture that is totally foreign to and antithetical to Christian, Christian faith. And so Paul is helping them understand that, it's, that he's a prisoner— and, and and it isn't about our physical our physical location that is the power of God. Just because we don't look like we're being blessed doesn't mean that God is not working in our lives. Uh, be encouraged by by the the struggles that you're having. And I love the way he does this in verse two. I am a prisoner for Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he says, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that is given to me for you. And I love that phrase because it, it is, you know, we know that Christ died for the world, but it is the receiving of the gift of God, the receiving of this uh, stewardship of God's grace that is what gives us the, the promise of the, of the blessing of God. 
And so Paul makes it really clear right here that you know, God does love all, all nations, but hear and receive the stewardship and hold on to, be good stewards of this, this mystery that was made known to me by Revelation. Right. Yeah. And I love it how he says, written briefly. It makes me wonder if he would have written extensively. How long would these <laughs> would these letters have been? Who knows what he would have done? Anyways, but looking at... He's the guy look, bored somebody to sleep and he fell out a window, so... Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah, we know he can be uh, ex- quite extensive, that's for sure, but all to God's glory, clearly. <laughs> so Amen. looking... Looking at everything here, I, I wanted to, you said this, intellectually persecuted. And I think that's important. Um, but there's, there's a few things going on. Dr. Tom Winger, who wrote the commentary on Ephesians, talked about how Paul was very comfortable being in the major cities, these port towns, where tons of different people and different ideologies and different faiths and different um, intellectual things were being engaged. And he was quite comfortable with that, going in the synagogue, going into um, the streets and going where they were talking. And I think about today how there's a lot of fear that we have. And I I was speaking to a a pastor's wife, and she was an English uh, grad student, and she talked about how she naturally has a fear of letting people know in the English department at the college that she was at for them to find out she's a Christian, because that would be, you know, kind of a death sentence as far as future professional jobs or future opportunities. And I think that really relates. Do you have any thoughts on that connection with Paul and us today, intellectual persecution, those kind of things? Well, I think that the reality is that Paul, Paul is, I mean, so for example, here in Dogtown, Dogtown is titularly Irish. Uh, it used to be a Jewish community until the building of the World's Fair. Then they brought in a bunch of Irish laborers at, to help build the World's Fair. And the Jews have, have largely left this area and moved west since then. Um, but uh, so we are, 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 you know, when I, when I came into Dogtown, and I came to Dogtown out of proximity, there's Jewish communities on both sides. It's historically a Jewish community. Um, and yet it's also Irish. So I became Irish to the Irish. I started, uh, you know, I helped <laughs> build a bagpipe band. We do a lot of outreach for St. Patrick's Day and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm the chaplain for an Irish first responders organization, hmm. um, trying to trying to proclaim the gospel to the Irish as well as the Jewish, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that, but in doing so, when you cross those cultural boundaries like Paul does, in these port cities in which he is he is engaging in this intellectual discourse, um, on one hand, you got to know what you're doing, but on the other hand, you just have to trust the Holy Spirit. And I tell people all the time who are afraid to go out on the street, and Jews love to argue, and we love to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll love to sort of uh, intellectually bully people to, to keep them from sharing the gospel. Okay. And it's, it's, un- it's unfortunate, but... Uh, uh, we have to be ready for that and trust that God is working through us and trust the Holy Spirit. And that that's so simple, but yet so profound. So a good reminder for all of us, how do people get converted in the first place? By the Holy Spirit. Let's move on here yeah. as we're in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit works. Let's move on to verses 4 through 7, and we only have a few more minutes before our break. He writes this, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, 
as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. He speaks about mystery here. We have about two minutes left before our break, um, Pastor. Um, was it, what is the mystery that Paul speaks of? I mean, the reality is that God chose the Jewish people, but what did he choose them for? He chose them to be the cradle from whom Jesus would come, who would be the Messiah for all nations. And, and the Hebrew scriptures are clear that the, the, the Jewish people were supposed to be light to the nations, that the one who would come from them would be light to the nations. Uh, and the mystery, of course, is how, I mean, certainly Acts, cha- Acts chapter 10, the first council of the church, uh, they had to fight it out between Peter and Paul whether or not Gentiles had to become Jewish in order to become uh, to become saved, uh, and of course that's not the case. And that's the mystery: how do these Gentiles, these these you know strangers, these foreigners, how do they come into the family of of God that is the Church? Uh, without becoming Jewish, and uh, and Paul is, is expressing that, and they don't have to; they just have to receive this revelation. This, and that's a that's a mystery in its in, in and of itself. My old pastor is now sainted, a dear friend of mine. He his best cuss word was rationalist, because we <laughs> always want to rationalize everything, and, and sometimes we just have to accept. There are things we don't understand, but God's Word is true, and we trust it. That's a mystery. And the mystery here, too, because I was reading quite a bit on this, because it says, the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, has now been revealed to his holy apostles, is, is the mystery of, well, wait a second here. How did this work in the Old Testament? They knew of the Messiah to come. Are you saying it wasn't made known that this would be for all nations and all of that? I, I read quite a bit on that, and kind of the end of it, of the story, after about 10 pages of a wonderful commentary, is, well, we don't really know um, yeah. <laughs> all this all works. Any, do you have any insights on that from uh, the mystery that has not been revealed? I mean, it's the, it's the wonderful thing, because, um, you know, Lutherans, we have this, these, these wonderful tensions that we wrestle with. And ultimately, have to fall down on mysterion, right? It's just a mystery. It's something that we accept. We can't know all things. God is still God, and we are not. Uh, and that—that's the mystery that certainly is in the heritage of the early early church and the Jewish people. But they've largely lost that today. And and many of the Christian churches have lost that mystery. Uh, they, you know, there was a time when I was at the seminary where the church was arguing whether or not the resurrection really happened, and it's okay mm. if it didn't, but we're we're grateful for the story. I mean, that when we try to rationalize everything and nail everything down, we lose the power. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, speaking of that, we do need to take our break. We are studying Ephesians chapter three with Pastor Parvi, and we'll be right back.
on this Thursday, February 25th, 2021. KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Ed and Lois Peak of St. Louis, Missouri. Ed and Lois made a gift to KFUO Radio in honor of their 55th wedding anniversary today and in thanksgiving to the Lord for good health, long life, and the blessing of family. Thank you, Ed and Lois Peak, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying Ephesians chapter 3 with Pastor Kevin Parviz. And Pastor, one of the fun things that I've been doing since I started in January is asking just a few questions of our of you, our listeners, and to ask the questions such as, where are you listening from? As I said, we had we had listeners from Jamaica, we've had listeners from Canada, we've had listeners from Sri Lanka, Philippines, and now in Hong Kong. And I think 27 states we are up to, even one in Hawaii. That was a lot of fun to hear, too. But also, I wanted to hear what people, what they're doing while they are listening to KFUO. Um, especially thy strong word. And so you've had the normal ones. They're exercising. One guy said, um, getting ready to take a nap. I'm not sure if he actually took a nap during our program. But anyways, and then my favorite one I just got today was saying, I listen to your program when I'm recovering from food poisoning. Wow. So um, I don't know if that's a continuous thing for this individual, but at least he, he did it once. What do you think of that? Yeah, I hope he's not constantly recovering from food poisoning, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if he just likes likes food that's tainted and then he listens to the story to get over it, but that's that's good. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, anyways, let's continue on. Like you like you said before, the, the mystery is quite simple, has many questions, but the power comes in God's Word that points us to Christ and says that this gospel is for all. So we are going to make a transition here in verse 8 um, about power and, and, and leading us to prayer and unsearchable things. But verses 1 through 7 is, um, uh, any last thoughts on those first seven verses, Pastor? I just think that it's uh, important to remember that this was given to Paul and it was given to God, Paul by God's grace. Uh, and it, it's a great lesson for us, for false prophets who often make their own understandings, uh, and we're reminded that it's God who reveals these things, not not men. Absolutely, and that kind of is a good segue for us to the rest of these verses. Let's go verses eight through thirteen. Eight through thirteen, Paul writes again to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the internal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. It's quite a bit in there, Pastor. Where do you want to begin? I guess verse 8. Um, I, I always love Paul. <laughs> Paul is, uh, I, I never am sure if Paul, I, I don't honestly believe that Paul is, has a false humility. I think he is humble. But I also mm-hmm. think that Paul is also um, confident. And so sometimes his humility doesn't always come through. Uh, but here, uh, I, don't, I don't think this is a false humility. Paul knows he was the one charged by the temple elders to go and persecute the believers who were in Damascus. Paul knows he was collecting the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. Paul struggles with his, uh, his upbringing and the ways in which he has sinned before God. Uh, Mm -hmm. And all of us do. And so that makes him the least of all the saints. And yet each of us are, you know, we, we are, are always reminded that we are, at the same time, saint and sinner. And so we we dare not ever elevate ourselves to this kind of we're Christian, therefore we're perfect uh, mentality. And Paul never does that. Uh, he does get a little cocky sometimes, I agree. But um, <laughs> but here he's earned that too, so that's okay. All right, be more like me is kind of the language he'll use at times, which is, yeah. I don't know what's like in St. Louis or in the Jewish community, but in Minnesota, that's the number one sin. Be more like me. That is that is up there yeah. in the worst of sins. Yeah. And where, <laughs> Anyways. where are you? In I'm, I'm about an hour, hour and a half northwest of uh, the Twin Cities. Oh, so we're starting a branch in Northfield. In Northfield? The home of yeah. the the uh, the Oles, the the Knights of Carlton yeah. and the Saint Olaf Oles, really. That's, that's exactly right. In fact, uh, oh my. the branch leaders he used to he used to teach at uh, Saint Olaf. So, oh my goodness, I would I would love to make some connections there because my sister went to Saint Olaf, I went to Gus Davis, so it was a Gusty Ole controversy in our home. So yeah, we could talk. We're going to talk more, Pastor. This is going to be a lot of fun. So. Um, But he says he's the least of the saints, and then he emphasizes there again, this grace was given to to me. Basically, it was given to him, not something he grabbed, not something—I mean, he literally was stopped in his tracks on the way to Damascus to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. It also says in other translations, the unfathomable riches of Christ. Any thoughts on, on those words about the riches of Christ? He uses this quite often. And and. Paul, keep in mind that Paul trained under the uh, feet of uh, Rabbi Gamaliel, which was a very famous mm-hmm. rabbi at the time. Um, he had, he calls himself Pharisee of Pharisees at times, which is not, he's not being self-deprecating there. He's, he's talking about how he did everything right. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reality is that one of the unsearchable, fathomable, unfathomable riches of Christ is that we don't have to do all that stuff. And that's that's the tension between whether or not you have to be Jewish in order to believe in Jesus or not uh, in, in Acts chapter 10. Um, mm. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't, I mean, God God gave us, and, and we're celebrating Purim, which is one of the festivals of the Jewish people tomorrow night. Um, mm. th- that's an opportunity for us to look at. And, you know, it's an interesting book, Esther, because it's the only book that God's name is not in. And yet God's right. fingerprints are over it. And uh, and there's a great messianic promise in Esther chapter 4. 
Uh, and, uh, and so we look at those things and we recognize that this, this unfathomable riches are that God gave us all these things in our history to point to Christ. And, and now we have, of course, all these things in our history to point back to Christ. Uh, and, and so that's why I love the church year and, and the traditions of the church, the colors of the, of the church, the liturgical colors. All those things point to Christ, and they're all part of the pageantry and the mystery uh, and the riches of Christ that he's done it all for us. And so we don't have to keep that 613 commandments perfectly to find favor with God. Um, you know, it, that in itself, I mean, for a people who like to strive and what, and you of all things, especially Northern Germans and all those Scandinavians up there in Minnesota, there is a, a solid work ethic. And we want to, we want to work to accomplish the things that we deserve. And that's not, mm. that's not Christian. I mean, yeah, work ethic is important, but we don't have to work to to receive Christ. We just do, we just do. We just receive, and that's uh, that's hard for us as human beings to just rely on. And you know, this is something where we, uh, what can I do? It's not only, I mean, sometimes we don't talk that way when it comes to our relationship with God and our current culture, but we talk about it in every other dynamic. You know, what can I do at my job? What can I do um, for my kids to make sure that they graduate and they, they are successful? What can I do, um, um, you know, for volunteerism? And we were always asking that question, what can we do? And as Peeper writes in his dogmatics, you know, there's two churches, the do and the duns. You know, what do you, what do I have to do and what is done? And we know as Christians and this, so this is a great connection. The unsearchable riches of Christ is that it is already done. Is that how you would use that language? Yeah. And that's the boldness and access we have with confidence we have, not through how we've earned it, but through our faith in him. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And it's a reminder for us, too, for you as our listeners, is that um, Christ has done it all for you. And 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 this is where um, uh, it's a reminder that whenever we're in the Word of God, it is all gift, that when you hear the message of Christ, it is all gift, and that we are able to live in a freedom that we speak about, especially in Galatians. I did have—there's uh, a fascinating—a guy wrote me a, um, a note that he is doing—he's done quite a bit of work of all Paul's letters and the connections, and specifically this understanding of freedom is very loud in Galatians and Ephesians, although it's not written in the same way, it's all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all yeah. for Paul, because Paul is experiencing a freedom that he heretofore had never experienced. Right. And and he ends and, it and, here know, in verse 13. Go ahead. And Paul, Paul deserves the good things of God, and yet here mm-hmm. he is in prison suffering. So, you know, just because we're successful doesn't mean that we're, we're receiving. You know, it, 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 that's the tension— <laughs> Uh, this 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 disconnect between the physical and the spiritual, the two kingdoms, and all the things that we hold in tension. Well, and I think we see this in in ministry, and you'll see this in your own families and so forth. Is that the the most successful people um, are not necessarily the ones who are the most faithful, 
and, and this is, you know, a fascinating thing because you'll have, I don't know, I just, I think about visiting people in the hospital, especially that there's some people you think you'll walk in there and they won't have any kind of faith and they just, it just pours out of their mouth the whole time. And there's some people that you've seen them do a lot of stuff, either in church or in life, and you see them and, and kind of faith just doesn't come out naturally. And so it really is this understanding of um, it's not about what you have done, but it's all about what Christ has done for you. And we do have to also be careful not to judge faith based on how we express it, because, you know, we Lutherans, we're not all that expressive. <laughs> That's yeah. true, too. That's exactly right. That's we're exactly right. Gothic painting of, of Christians, right? But, yeah. Uh, but then it doesn't, that doesn't mean our faith is that strong and, uh, and, and powerful. But, you know, I think you are right that we do have to, we, we can't assume that, that, that people who give a lot of money to, to build a chapel in the name of their grandfather, that means they have a really strong faith. Right, right. And, and like you, it's a, it's, a, it's a tension to live, but you know, the Holy Spirit gives us those moments. There was one individual I was speaking to and, um, and they're one that I would say they, they they came to church when they could, but they had jobs that doesn't allow them to come. And during COVID and everything, I tried to call everyone in my congregation. And in this particular individual I called, at the beginning, you're kind of not sure if they're really going to want you to call. And by the end, I thought I should make him an elder. I mean, it was just yeah. <laughs> because he was just pouring God's grace out of it. He's like, even said, this was in March, a year ago, literally. And he said, wow, people are asking me about, you know, okay, this comes, but what about the second wave? And what about September? What about 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 uh, um, Christmas time? What about all this? And he said, I tell him, my identity is in Christ. That's who I am. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm not using that language. <laughs> yeah. So that's and that's what Paul's using here is what is your identity? Who are you? This you are you are one in Christ and the suffering I'm going through. Don't feel bad for me. I'm doing this for your glory, not for your glory, but for the glory of Christ that has been manifested in the church in Ephesus. We are going to make a transition here to the prayer that he has, which I really want to spend a, a significant amount of time. But Pastor, is anything else in the first 13 verses you want to highlight? No, let's get to him bowing his knees. Awesome. 14 through 16, we'll begin there. Reminder, this is a prayer, and to think about how this prayer can be your prayer as we, as we hear it this morning. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, I w- I'm going to stop there. We could do go further, but I really want to focus on these prayers, on this prayer, because there's a few things I really wanted to highlight. And first of all, he talks about every family in heaven and on earth that is named. I couldn't help but not think of Isaiah 43, which is something that we use in our baptismal certificates. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Any thoughts on being named in this text? Well, I, you know, God has our name written on the palm of, of his hand, right? So right. Um, I, I, uh, I'm blessed. I never really actually thought of myself as blessed, but as I get older, I am. I'm blessed to be the pastor of a small congregation because yeah. I know everybody so well by name. And, you know, there's, it's not, there's no rushing through the Lord's Supper. It is a looking in the eye and touching the hand or touching the head and speaking their name. 
as Christ mm-hmm. is delivered to them. And I, I, I'm really death on miss. And I do this all the time, especially as I get older. I screw up people's names, and I always feel bad about it because <laughs> names, names are identities. Names are important, and and God knows our name. He has named us, uh, and we are named. As, you know, and I love that it's the your families, um, because it's 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 a part and parcel of his, of the picture of His creation. Uh, in our creation, He has named us, and it goes back to. You know, especially in January, where where we focus on pro life issues, uh, he knows us in in the womb, and he has named us in the womb. Um, I, I just think that's I think names are so important, and and of course in Jewish tradition, we get our Hebrew name at our bris, and uh, my my name might be Kevin, but my Hebrew name was Avram, and uh, hmm. that's important to me too. You know, so. Uh, I, I just and those names are really are, are amazing. Yeah, you're right, and and the name can be mispronounced, and you know I, I always struggle with that. So just to make sure, it's Parviz, correct? Yep, Parviz. Yeah. Okay, I don't. I did say Parvi, and I and I apologize for doing that, but Parviz. I, I don't take it personally, but I'm really careful to to try not to do that because I know some people that would hurt them. But uh, right. no, I'm. I'm People call me all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and here he is talking about bowing on the knees before the Father, an important gesture that not is required, but is a very important thing that we can do. Begin on our knees and pray because you're going to focus even better. And one of the things he says in verse 16, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Pastor, is I'm finding myself praying this prayer continuously. He says that according to the riches of his glory, goes back to the riches, the depth, and we'll get to that even further later, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. I have found the last year that my prayers for people with people and their requests from people is prayers for strength, strength with yeah. power. And any thoughts on that? That that really struck me this morning. And I also think the last four words are really important, too, in your inner being. I mean, mm. there's as we go about our, especially this COVID world we live in, where there's so much anxiety and, you know, we can't even talk to people without having a mask and standing six feet away. And I know people who haven't come out of their cocoon for over a year now. They're just mm. living in such fear. And this power of, I mean, yes, we can... Those of us who continue to work and engage and do the things we have to do, it's not that we aren't also suffering a little bit of anxiety. It's just that Mm -hmm. you just have to press on. But there is this inside thing that that's what Christ, that's where Christ's comfort is really felt, is this inner being. Sometimes we might not be able to express it. That's why I think, you know, we we dare not judge people's faith. They're, Mm -hmm. They're expressing outward anxiety or they're expressing overly overly business business-like activity uh, and yet they might have that peace of christ i think that's what the ironic benediction the blessing of god that he looks upon you and it calms your inner being uh that i think those words are pretty powerful and wow. and, and it may not we may not look on the surface that we are calm and having comfort of christ but I don't fear death. I mean, I've got all kinds of physical issues. And last year I had something like eight or nine surgeries. 
and everybody was worried about how I was doing. And I have no fear because I have that, and and, that's, and I'm being sincere about that. There's just I know who I am in Christ, and I know He's caring for me. And that's that's an inner thing that maybe I don't always because I complain a lot. I'm Jewish, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's most it's mostly shtick. Let's be honest. <laughs> so two things with that is is first of all, um, when he says here, be strengthened with power through His Spirit. You can't cannot help but think of Acts chapter one verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and He doesn't just keep it in Jerusalem. This goes to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I mean. You had to have had Paul thinking of Acts 1 when he's writing these verses, I would think. is It is for all nations, all people, and all around the whole earth. And this is going to be power from the Holy Spirit. Any thoughts on that? I, that's just, I, I am, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is the power to do things that we're not comfortable doing. Uh, your friend who is an English professor uh, dwell on the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit will give you power to overcome the intellectual persecution that you receive. Paul here is being persecuted in his flesh, but he has this peace in his inner being. And the power of the Holy Spirit gives us, again, the, going back to the earlier verses, boldness and access with confidence. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's what the—I mean, when Peter preaches this sermon in Acts chapter 2, this is not the Peter that we're used to seeing here. Right. Uh, he is preaching with boldness and confidence, and 3,000 people came to faith. Uh, I keep <laughs> waiting to preach that sermon. But um, that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And I want to make this one highlight. You brought up the Aaronic uh, uh, benediction. And one time I was just, we had, I preached on it. That was one of the texts that we had. And I got done and I was sitting with my my board of uh, board of directors of my congregation. And one of the members, he says, you know, that's one, that's my favorite part of the service is the, bene- the benediction. And another person looked at him and goes, well, that's because it's the end of the service. That's why you like it so much. <laughs> It's finally over, he says. That's all the yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, let's move on. We got to get through this, even though I wanted to focus more on it. Um, but 17 through 19, great stuff in these verses. So pay attention. So that Christ may dwell on your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Tell me what your thoughts are in there. I have a few, but I want to hear yours first. I mean, when I, when I, so I always equate, for example, the Ten Commandments to the cross, the the horizontal and the vertical relationships that we have with God. Mm. And that's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. It is, uh, and I, you know, I see this filling not only my being, but the world. I mean, this is all of space and time is filled with this fullness of the glory of God. Um, And we we only get to see that through faith. I, I am so sad for those who don't have that faith that they see the world in such limited ways. Yeah, and that and that's something where he uses these words 
that uh, that it may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so this is, like you said, this is a prayer, a prayer that is rooted and grounded in love, which points us to Christ. And once again, to have strength to comprehend with all the saints. And and this is, uh, I was thinking about this of how um, we. This is a, a prayer for all of us, because as you said, we are struggling because we know people in our own lives, in our own families who do not believe in the riches and the fullness of God. Once again, this goes back to the incarnational understanding in Galatians of the fullness of time and the fullness of God. It's all right there. It's all gift. It has been done for you. The 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 breadth, the length, the height, the depth, all of this is it encompasses the whole world, and it has been founded and given to you. And so that's where we grieve, because many have not believed and still do not believe, which is why, where does the power come from? The Holy Spirit that changes hearts. Any thoughts on that grief or that, that struggle we all have? Well, that's, that's again, that's Christ's lament for Jerusalem. Um, I know that, you know, one of the struggles I have, especially during the Advent season, is saying, Amen, come Lord Jesus, because in my, in, for me, I want the Lord to come now. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet I know that when that happens, there are many who are lost. And so there's that tension again, and that that, that struggle, that that grief for those who do not know Him, and, and for your friend who suffers intellectual persecution, the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. Mm. Uh, and so, mm. uh, you know, we, it, that that is far greater than any any human knowledge that we might you know aspire to. Uh, and and I grieve for those people who who think they're so knowledgeable and yet do not believe because they they have such a limited knowledge. As it says, the wisdom of Christ is far above any wisdom of humankind, and no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, as, as it says here, too, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is from the outside coming upon us. We have to finish the last two yeah. verses here. We only have two more minutes left. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be all the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What are these verses? What are the verses telling us here? Amen. (laughs) I mean, I I can't read this without hearing the the same sort of prayer in Jude. Uh, But, you know, the reality is, and I think this is um, this affects our prayer life. Mm-hmm. We pray for things that are personal to us or for people who have asked. We have a very strong prayer ministry here, and, it, and it's really all over the world. We get people who call up or send us notes and ask us to pray for them. And uh, and even the prayers like that are so limited because God knows what we need. He will do for it more abundantly than we can possibly ask. Uh, I mean, yes, we we don't have because we do not ask, but we don't have to ask because the things that we don't have, perhaps we don't need. God knows what we need, and, and He fulfills those things far more abundantly than we can possibly imagine. And I'll tell you what, I've been I've been way more financially successful than I've than I am now. I've been way, you know, but but in faith and the family that God has put me in is such a, a, a richness that I, will, I perhaps don't ever need to experience anything else. 
Well, as it says, the mystery of the gospel is revealed, and that is brought to us in faith and the power which surpasses all understanding. All of this comes together as we have with Pastor Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom, helping us today with Ephesians chapter 3. Pastor Parviz, thank you for being our guest. It's been a blessing. Thank you, and good to meet you. You too. You too. Yeah, God's blessings in Dogtown. Saints of our Lord, the mystery has been revealed. Christ has brought salvation to you. To him be all the glory, to Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. And as we said, and Pastor Parvee said so well, amen. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <music>